Hey guys, it's Jamie Scrimger here, second wife, stepmom of three, and mom of one. And you're listening to my podcast, where we talk about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. If you're ready for raw and real conversations and are striving to live your very best life, then you are in the right place. Every week, I'll provide you with tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So in my introduction, I mentioned that this podcast is all about having raw and real conversations about motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Well, ladies, and maybe some gentlemen, this episode is definitely the most raw and real yet. In this episode, Rebecca Eckler joins me to talk about her recent and 10th book, Blissfully Blended Bullshit, The Uncomfortable Truth About Blended Families. And guys, there are some major uncomfortable truths in this book. This book is a tell-all where Rebecca opens the door to her own home and provides readers with an all-access pass to her and her boyfriend's journey as they blend households, add another baby to the mix, thanks to a reverse vasectomy, and attempt to navigate their new roles with children and in-laws and exes and ex-in-laws and each other. This is not a sugar-coated blended family novel where you're going to be left feeling hopeful with fluffy strategies on how to navigate your way. This is real talk about real challenges and real emotions that only those who are attempting to blend a family or who have blended a family can understand. So to give you a little background on Rebecca, she is one of Canada's Beth Snow journalists and authors. She is an international best-selling author, has been a columnist at the National Post, the Globe and Mail, and her work has appeared in the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, as well as numerous magazines and parenting blogs across North America. She is currently the executive editor of Savvy Mom, which is a website for all things parenting-related stuff, and has won Best Columnist two years in a row at the Canadian Online Publishing Awards, which, guys, basically that means she's a really, really good writer. Currently, she lives in Toronto with her daughter, Rowan, and her son, Holt. All right, so that's the lowdown on Rebecca and everything about blissfully blended bullshit. So if you are ready, let's just dive right in. Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I just finished the book today, so it's fresh on my mind, and I am so excited to dive in because I think that I think that this book is it's not your typical book. It's not your typical blended family resource, but I think it is so important for so important for blended families just to have this perspective because I'm all I'm always saying I'm all about being raw and real, but this book, it is probably the most raw and real piece of writing that I have that I've ever read. It is actually listen, this is my 10th book and I will say this is my most honest, most candid memoir um I've ever written. And everybody asks like how can you share all of this? Like aren't they going to be mad at you or aren't you worried about hurting their feelings? And it's just the way I write. I literally had to just say to myself, write as if nobody is going to read this in your blended family. And that's what I did. I really wrote it as if no one was going to read it. But that is not the truth because there's a lot of people reading this book now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, there's a lot of people reading it. But as a writer, 
I had to write it as if no one in my blended family was reading it. And to this day, it's been out, um, you know, it launched just a couple of weeks ago in the States. And even to this day, and it originally um, came out in, I think, April. Uh, so it's been a few months, a couple months that it's been out. And I still don't know to this day if anyone in my, like, spoiler alert, my blended family did not work out, if they've read it or not. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's not <laughs> Who knows if they will? I'm sure I'm sure they've talked about it, but you know, it, it doesn't actually matter. And people talk to me about that as well. They said, you know, you write so candidly and you share your whole life with the internet. And I do have boundaries in terms of what I do and do not share. And I'm always kind of trying to be cognizant of that. But at the end of the day, I think there's so many people, stepmoms, people who are in blended families, they're craving these conversations because these are things that no one's talking about. Yeah. And quite frankly, I think for sure they've read it because how could you not want to read my thoughts on your life for the past seven years? So I guess if people want to know, I was in a blended family for seven years. um, And now my my now ex-partner, because blended did not turn out to be splendid in my situation. Um, So I met a guy and he had two children and I already had a daughter. We blended and then we had a baby together. So between the two of us, there was four children. Right. You know what? Let's dive into that too, because for those who haven't read the book at the very beginning, you know, you talk about this whirlwind romance and you guys are, you know, head over heels and you decide that you're going to blend your families and you just kind of on a whim decide to move in together, which I honestly, I totally can relate to that because Darren and I really, we had conversations about how we were going to handle things, but we were very much on a whim as well. It was follow your hearts. This is romance. And you forget that there's a whole lot of real life that comes with blending families. So can you talk to me about the first day that he moved in? So you talk about it in your book and he's coming up with this U-Haul or his moving truck and what that was like, because that was, that was a really funny part of the book for me, to be quite honest. Well, Truthfully, I had been living alone with my daughter in my, in, in my house for probably five, five years, just me and her. So yes, we moved quickly because I had gotten pregnant and of course we wanted to live together. Um, but I didn't realize like he had, he had moved out of his house. And so he had this fully furnished house basically. And when I saw the U-Haul pull up, I, had to get out of there because I, I'm not a person who likes clutter. And that was mainly, I literally had a panic. was going to have a panic attack. So I actually left. I let him and his mother help him move everything in. And I left. Um, and in the book, it gets even worse because that's the day I also called his ex-wife to introduce myself and tell her that I was pregnant. But yeah, I'm a, you know, a creature of habit. So I like the way, you know, because I lived alone for so long, I liked the way things were. And when I saw all his belongings, and especially uh, the chair, his, his uh, every guy has one of these ugly brown leather chairs. So it's like, no, dude. Even from the beginning, my, my house is like a modern aesthetic, and his is more bachelor, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. I actually did take some, I did take an Ativan. I was... <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I, so yeah, from the very beginning, yeah, I, uh, I had to take an out of van. Yeah. And I wonder if that was symbolic as to what, like about what was to come, right? <laughs> well, I think truthfully, if you went, if any step parent or yeah, if any step parent went to a, do- a doctor and said, I'm a, part of a blended family, they would write you a prescription for Ativan right away <laughs> because oh it's God. hard. Blending families is hard. So hard. Speaking of hard, let's talk about the conversation when you decided to call his ex-wife and introduce yourself and tell her that you were pregnant on moving day because I was reading this and I was like, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like there's no manual out there for blending families really. Right. Which is part of the reason I wrote this book. There's a lot out there on like the step parent, step child relationship, but you don't realize how blending families affect so many people. So for example, the first phone call I meant was to my daughter's father, which actually was like a heartbreaking phone call to me because we get along and I still very much uh, respect and love him. And he's a great father. So that actually was a, such a hard phone call. And I remember just dialing and saying, being so nervous but like, I couldn't hide that I was pregnant and he was going to find that out. Right. But it affected his life because now his daughter was going to have a new sibling and a new man living in the ha- house with his daughter and two new girls also 50% of the time living with his daughter. So it affected my ex. Um, and I remember telling him and he was very, you know, mature about it. He was very good about it. He congratulated me. Um, but there, what, hit me really hard. And I still, even to this day, I, I kind of tear up when I talk about it, but I could hear like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but like a, such a sadness in his voice and him almost choking up because I think he realized what, like another man is going to be also living with my daughter. And then the second phone call, what you were talking about to my partner's ex-wife was actually because he was going through a contentious divorce with his wife. And so I was asking my own lawyer what, what, you know, for advice. And she basically said, you should call her, um, introduce yourself, like make things, you know, start on a good foot and maybe that will make their divorce less contentious. So I did. So after that horror, like gut wrenching phone call to my, my ex, my daughter's father, I made that phone call to my partner's ex-wife. And like I say in the book, I, I said, hi, it's Rebecca. It's not like, a sh-, you know, she knew exactly who I was. I, I had never met her or talked to her before. And I said, I just want to let you know um, I'm pregnant. And she's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, we had told the children and we were like idiots to think that teenagers could or preteens could keep a secret from their mother. Right. So she already knew I was pregnant and I invited her to come to my house where her kids would be staying 50 percent of the time. And she was completely ambivalent about it. And you know what? Like so and she didn't take me up on the offer in the seven years her kids were staying with my house for 50% of the time. She never once came over and came in and picked them up. She, she really had no interest in me, which actually is better from all the other stories I have heard where the ex is still way involved. 
But it did kind of shock me, her, her ambivalence towards me. Because if my ex said, I want you to meet, you know, my new girlfriend, she's moving in, I would like go just because I'm a girl and like too curious, right? Yeah, for sure. You would wonder, you would think that she would want to take a peek, but you know, Sometimes, you know, I often will remind people that the ex, when she looks at the new woman, their stepmom or or whatever label we want to use, sometimes it's this trigger of their own failures, right? The things that have not gone wrong, not gone right in their own lives. And they just kind of are not in the place where they can even have that mature relationship. I don't, I don't think that was it. I think, you know, they were both done with each other. Like they both wanted the divorce equally, but I think that maybe she just doesn't know what to do. Right. Like, do do I say yes? And do I actually go over? Like that's so uncomfortable, right? That would be uncomfortable for people. Um, and yes, it might be a sting to her heart to see, um, her kids, uh, living in a different place half of the time, but mostly she was ambivalent. (laughs) Yeah. And so she never came over, never came over. Um, and actually, like I said, blending families affects so many people. And I kind of realized that very early on during our first summer as a blended family where I, and I I do say this in, in the book where I wanted, uh, my partner's daughters to go to the same overnight camp as my daughters because my daughter, because I thought that would be such a great bonding moment for all of them. And, but for some reason, his ex-wife did not want his kids going to this specific overnight camp. So basically, and I say this in our, the book from the start, our kids, they got along, but they never bonded because they never had the chance really to bond ever. So like I said, you know, when you're in a blended family and there's kids, your life is still tied to your partner's ex. And usually she kind of makes the final decision. Yeah. And that's what makes it so difficult too, right? Because you can't really even make decisions for your family. You have to have someone else's approval. And if there's a lot of emotions or different opinions or whatever it is that's going on, it can make things, everything is just more complicated. Yeah, no. And I also, you know, like this book is for everybody. I didn't realize, um, you know, my daughter is an only grandchild on her father's side. And it's like they, in the seven years we lived together, and I have actually a pretty close relationship with my ex's parents, they never once asked about my daughter's brother. But after we unblended and he had moved out, that's when they started asking questions. Oh, how is uh, Rowan getting along with with her brother? And I think it's just because no one, especially grandparents and even parents, don't understand what it's like to blend. They don't know what the right question is, or if it's going to be an offensive question, you know, in one chapter is also, um, I mean, looking at back at it, it's just so unbelievable that it happened, but it is human. And it's the truth where my daughter one night was with her father and I was with my partner and his mother at, at dinner. And she actually said to me, oh, I don't think your ex-husband is going to have any more kids. So, you know, my daughter's going to be spoiled rotten, as she should be, by her grandparents. And I said, well, he could meet somebody else and, uh, who has children, and then Rowan's grandparents would have 
more grandchildren. And Nana, my, my partner's mother said to me, it's just not the same when they're not your own. So (laughs) that's one of those things where it's like, okay, those are real emotions. Those are real feelings. But did you really just say that out loud? Yeah. Well, in my head, it was not just that you said it out loud, but you said it to me, the mother of your grandson and the mother of your grandson's sister. Yeah. And I, you know, she was embarrassed about it afterwards. She was mortified but she spoke the truth. The truth is she loved her biological grandchild, quote, differently than she loved my daughter, which I take to mean not as much, which is the truth. (laughs) And it all had to do with DNA. So that's just a tricky situation, especially when you are, you know, still blended and trying to have that happy family dynamic, especially when it comes to say Christmas and things like that. I know I've had to have conversations with my family and have basically said, you treat everyone the same as you treat my, like our daughter or don't do anything at all, right? Like don't come here with, you know, lavish gifts for her for Christmas and not have the exact same amount for everyone else because it's just not fair. Those kids feel kind of like an outsider and that kind of stuff. And it's not like it's intentional. And I don't think that people think about doing it intentionally. It just, it's kind of just where their thoughts go. Yeah. And in my case, like my, my parents, they don't even really understand divorce because no one was getting divorced at my parents' age, um, a generation. Um, so if they can't even understand divorce, how in the world are they going to understand blended families? So my mother, for example, would, you know, she would come over, she would call and say, Oh, I want to take Rowan for the day on Saturday to do something. And I, even if my partner's children were over, my mother never thought, I I literally think she just never thought of them. (laughs) So she, my, so my daughter would go off with, with her, with my, you know, my mom and spend the day together. And, um, you know, but when it came to gifts and stuff, you know, they, they always recognized her birthdays and Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever it is. And they did get gifts and stuff, but, um, it was just kind of shocking because it made me think like, do I love these kids as much as I love my daughter? Because it's pretty clear to everyone. And it was very clear to my partner that I always favored my daughter. And the truth is, sorry, dude, like I have known my daughter for at that point, seven years more than I've known you. I've bonded with my daughter seven years longer. So yeah, I'm going to be candid. My daughter, I always sided with my daughter. And if someone complained about her, I'd shut it down because I, I'm mama bear. And if every, anyone says anything about my child, I get a little, you know, defensive. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you think back to all of the pressure that's put on stepmoms and you know, you say you're supposed to love them like your own. You have to love them all the same. And there's so many different contributing factors that come into blended families, including the time you came into your stepchildren's lives. Like if you came into their life when they were one year old, one years old, or when they were say 15, those are two very different circumstances. There's a lot of different factors to consider. Even you know, the ex and the relationships that she has with the kids. So it's a lot of pressure that's put on stepmoms to say, you have to have these emotions. You have to have this love right away. 
And I think that's kind of where it all starts to go wrong, to be quite honest, because there's just this immense amount of pressure and that you're supposed to feel this certain way. And when you don't, you automatically have this guilt or think that something is wrong with you when there are so many step parents who have those same emotions. Uh, absolutely. And you know what? For all intensive purposes, my bonus children actually were good kids. They, it's not like they hated me. They never sc- screamed at me. They never said, I never want to come over there. They were actually good kids. So that's a best case scenario. And we still couldn't make a blended family work. And I always say, you know, there's a lot of tattletaling that goes on in, in a blended family. And this is one of the things that people should talk about. Like, I do not feel comfortable disciplining other people's children's, even my partner's daughters. I don't, I never felt comfortable disciplining them. Um, and likewise, my partner, uh, I just kind of wouldn't allow him to discipline my, my, my biologic daughters. So whenever there was a problem or his kids were mad at me about something or they, you know, had something, uh, to complain about me, they would go to him and then he would come to me. And likewise, my daughter would come to me if she had a problem with her stepsisters or, or, uh, my partner. So, and then I would go to him and we all know like broken telephone never works. So we're not really getting, <laughs> you know, both sides equally here. Uh, but there was a lot of ta- you know, tattletaling going on. And that's one of the things you should ask, you know, when you get into a blended family or step parent, like, do, is it okay to, uh, discipline your children? Listen, I was fine with, I'm keeping them alive. Like, that's it. I'm good. Yeah. Them alive and they're happy. And that's, that's good. But I never once pretended to, uh, act like their mother. They have a perfectly good mother. Uh, there were times I was hurt because I thought like, I thought maybe they should have taken me into consideration a little more. Um, you know, for example, I have in Mother's Mother's Day. Um, sure, first year, you know, me being in their lives, you know, I didn't expect anything. But a few years in, there was one Mother's Day where I, you know, a whole day went by. And I said to, to my partner, I said, you know, it just kind of feels weird that your daughters didn't even like texting me anything, um, at the very least. And then I saw him like kind of typing under the backyard table. And then sure enough, two seconds later, bing, bing, both his, both his daughters had written me happy mother's day, Rebecca, happy mother's day, Rebecca. Um, I just think if someone started at a greeting card line with, for, for blended families, uh, it would be a huge success. Yeah, because, that's definitely a need say, right? They're totally loyal to their mother as they should be. Um, so I don't think they knew what to say to me actually, to tell you the truth. No, I agree. And I actually have had this conversation with my husband several times because, you know, I know he will message my stepchildren and say, make sure you say something to Jamie for mother's day. Cause there have been times when I've been like, wow, you know, I'm good enough for all of these motherly jobs. And, you know, I do all of these things, but I don't even get anything. I don't even get just kind of a thank you. And he, I just wanted it a text. (laughs) Like that's bare bottom. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, he sends a message to them and I, then I get a text message and I'm like, okay, I love the thought, honey. Thank you so much for the backup. But just so you know, that doesn't actually 
feel as good <laughs> just because I know it came from you five seconds ago. You know, it's, it's not, it's not the same. I know. I was like, can you at least when you're texting them, telling them to wish me a happy Mother's Day, tell them to wait like a couple hours. So it's not so blatantly obvious that they're just doing it because you told them to. And yeah. also, like, I know in your situation, it's a bit different, but in my situation, we were so happy for the first couple of years. We really were blissful. And experts do say it does take about five years for everyone kind of to get settled in their roles in a blended family. But for me and for so many others, it got worse. It turned um, and it got much worse. And I remember trying to get it back on track. And I was so excited when my one of my partner's daughters asked me to go prom dress shopping with her. Um, and I thought, oh, that's like such a nice moment. This is going to be a great day. This is going to get our family you know, back on track. We're going to bond over this. This is kind of like a mother-daughter-ish thing to do, obviously. And I remember her taking a very long time in the change room. And like, we're women, we know things take a long time to get off, but she was taking an exceptionally long time. It turns out um, that she had been taking pictures of selfies of herself in the change room to show her mother. So she, when she came out in a dress that I loved, and I was like, this is perfect. You look amazing. You'll be the best dressed person there. You're beautiful. She came out and, and she said, no, my, my mom doesn't like this dress. So I recognize that, you know, that she's loyal to her mother, but at the same time, this was years into us blending. And I, I, you know, I pretty much had a mini adult tantrum, not the, you know, it wasn't my proudest moment, but I did kind of storm out thinking, why did you even ask me then? You know, and it might make me sound very immature, but these are human feelings. So I'm yeah, just, and I think it's important there. to remember when it comes to all of this, the emotions that you experience when you are a stepmom, you did not see coming. And there are times when you know in your head that you may be acting a little irrationally, but you just can't stop. You just cannot stop those emotions from coming in. And as much people will say, well, you knew what you were signing up for. You knew it would be extra complicated. You knew all these things. Did I don't we? think well, <laughs> that's bullshit first, but yeah, even are. if we did, what we didn't know is what these emotions would feel like, because that I think is what makes things so complicated. Yeah. And for me, like I said, you know, this is seven, I, this book is seven years of my experience blending. We did not work out as 66% of, you know, blended families don't. And it, I actually, it, you know, I was so, I, I feel like I suffered a lot in the, in the years of trying. And so when, once my ex moved out, it's interesting because I didn't just lose an ex. If you're getting divorced, you're not just losing your partner. When you're in unblend, a blended family, I lost a, my, my partner. I lost his children. I lost a dog. <laughs> um, and when I say that I didn't even get, I had closure with my ex, obviously, but I didn't have closure with his children because he moved all their stuff out for them. And it was, and it took me a good six, seven months just to get back on my feet again. Um, and you know, to get back into life and okay, my new norm that I was like, I really miss my bonus children. I miss his children. And 
it is complete. And, and to be honest, we have a text only relationship. So I'll text them. Oh, happy, you know, start of school. Good luck. Uh, I hear you got a, a new a job. Good luck with that. It's very text only. My daughter does not, after seven years of blending, my daughter does not even speak to uh, my ex or uh, his daughters who for, for all purposes, they were living under the same roof for seven years. Um, so it's completely weird to think that I have a son who has two sisters out there that I don't see or speak to. Yeah. And I, I miss them. Like I, at the, you know, when I'm blending and let's be honest, like they, I, I can't explain how I felt about them. I, I cared for them at the same time for whatever reason, I was always just slightly annoyed. If, if, I, I don't know if annoyed is the right word and it makes me sound terrible, but no, it does not make you sound for, terrible. For a lot of people, it's true. You can't understand the, you can't articulate the feeling, but you're kind of annoyed. And, but then now I miss them and I, we don't have a relationship and I don't think it's because they hate me. I just think, you know, they have their own lives. They've kind of forgotten about me. So we have, a, you know, this little night, beautiful seven-year-old boy who has three sisters and two of which I don't see and neither does my daughter. It's, it's fucked up if I'm allowed to say that. You can totally say it. And yeah, it is, it is a little fucked up, but I think there's a lot of things that are fucked up about blending families, to be quite honest. And it, it goes back to, you know, you just said, if that makes me feel bad saying that I felt annoyed or what those emotions were, but when you said that, I can guarantee you there are so many stepmoms who are listening to this podcast who are nodding their head and, and saying, you know, finally someone is saying how I feel. Because if you feel it, someone else is feeling it too, right? And that's why I think it's so important to have these conversations. Yeah, and especially in a blended family, um, you're never going to be, and I realized this at the beginning, uh, well, not at the beginning, kind of midway through, that, you know, I had my love goggles on it at the beginning. He had love goggles on. We were just so in love that we just, we discussed nothing about moving in together. We discussed the date and time, I guess he was moving in, but we didn't discuss money. We didn't discuss discipline. We didn't discuss parenting styles. We discussed nothing. We were so in love. Okay. (laughs) And then, yeah. So life happened. Life happened. Hey guys. All right. I'm just going to interrupt this podcast for about two seconds here because I just want to make sure that all of the stepmoms know about the exclusive community for stepmoms that I just launched. So as most of you know, I write blog posts and post videos all about my experiences as a stepmom and about our blend of family life. I keep it positive, but I don't sugarcoat the challenges, and I'm really here to provide stepmoms with tips and strategies so that they can show up as the best stepmom possible. I have an online Facebook group, a public Facebook page, and I'm all over Instagram, and guys, I cannot tell you how many times stepmoms have reached out to me and told me that they really want to engage with my content, but they don't want their husband's ex-wife or their mother-in-law or anyone in their life to see that they're struggling. They don't want their stepkids to stumble across their posts, and I totally understand that. I also have had so many stepmoms say that they have posted on my page or in my group, and then someone in their life has literally taken a screenshot and sent it to people in their family, which, by the way, I think is so brutal, but 
That's what happens with social media. It's not private. Anyone can see anything. And the internet is forever, even in closed Facebook groups. So knowing that so many stepmoms were struggling and craving that online interaction, but weren't comfortable doing it on social media, I decided to launch an exclusive community for stepmoms. In this community, you get exclusive content that's not shared anywhere else, regular interaction with me and my team, a monthly Q&A where you can ask me anything and everything, and unfiltered conversations all with the purpose of providing you with tips and strategies and a community so that you can show up as the best stepmom possible. And guys, it is all off social media. Even the forum is like a Facebook group, but not on Facebook. It is a private community that only members can access. So if you are craving privacy and support and friendship, and you just want to feel like you're not freaking crazy for feeling the way that you do, check out my online community. All the details are at www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash membership. Now, there is one quote in your book that I really want to unpack, and it's you said, one of the reasons no one knows what really happens when you blend is because couples in blended families don't want to air their dirty laundry. Even I don't share the entire truth of boyfriends or my relationship because I am embarrassed over what we fought about. I don't want other people knowing, but at the same time, I want people to speak up about their truths and the harsh reality of blending. Like, let's unpack that. Why... Why is it that no one wants to talk about it? Why is it so embarrassing for all of us when there's so many people who are actually going through it? Um, I think it's because the fights and slights in a blended family are so ridiculous, but they happen. So our first fight after two years of being happy was... Uh, my partner's children came in and apparently I didn't say hello to them when they walked in. And I, you know, my partner told me this later, like his girls told Rebecca never said hi to us when he walked in and they were very upset about it. And I said to, you know, my partner, I said, what do you mean? How could someone walk in the house and me just be sitting there and not say hi? That couldn't have happened. Maybe it happened. Maybe I was immersed, you know, on my computer at the kitchen table. But the high by fight, who says hi in a blended family? Like with my daughter, who's my biological daughter, if she didn't say hi to me when she walked in, I would tell her, like, you know, you have to say hi to your mother. But with his kids, I I couldn't say that. Like I I couldn't say you have to say hi to me. And it turns out every blended family anyone of my girlfriends who had been in a blended family had this high by fight. Oh, my stepchildren never said hi when they came in the house. Nope. I got a grunt. If anything, you know, I'm happy to get a grunt and they are so annoyed about that. And another one was the grocery shop. I didn't realize how, you know, when my ex and his children were here, uh, his children, 50% of the time, our fridge was like, stocked. It was beautiful. It was stocked with all his girl's favorite foods. And on those nights that his girls were with us, he would make these elaborate two hour dinners. But when his kids weren't with us, our fridge was empty and it was like, uh, here's some pasta. (laughs) Um, and, and that, and I should back that up by saying we didn't talk about money, which is a huge thing. So he didn't chip in for, uh, like rent or mortgage, his way of kind of chipping in was kind of doing, you know, making the dinners and cleaning up very modern, la la la. But, you know, it brought on, you know, a lot of resentment, 
um, in my life later, you know, as I realized, like, really, you're not paying any sort of like, what kind of guy in his 40s doesn't pay rent or a mortgage? But that was only after the lug ogles came out. And another thing I never realized is how many people I have this whole chapter about how I like hide in my car on my driveway, dreading to go in the house because I don't know what is going to welcome me. Is someone going to be mad at me? And if so, why, uh, you know, did I do something wrong today that I'm going to hear about? Like you never know what fights are going to pop up. So I would be sitting in my car sometimes literally for half an hour and then I'd get a text uh, you know, cause my partner could see me sitting outside. Are you coming in? Are you coming in? I was just like, yes, I'm coming in. And I think one of my lines is like, it was, you know, those 10 steps seem like a journey, right? Cause I was walking. So there's a lot of us who turn into these hiders. And I say that about my bedroom too. Like I hid out in my bedroom so much that it almost became like a prison to me. Um, just because I didn't want to deal with the the bullshit of blending that kept popping up. Yeah. And you know what? That is so common. And there were so many things that you would say in the book about going through, you know, the hiding, the high by fights, all of that. And I have experienced them. I have done them. And I, you know, speak to stepmoms every single day who have done the same. So it's just so interesting because there's so many different dynamics and everyone has a different situation. But a lot of these arguments and a lot of these things are very universal. And if I say the high by fight lasted for years, like how it's just, it's, it's embarrassing to say because it's so ridiculous. And yet at the same time, it's so universal for blended families. So they may giggle, but you know, if you're telling your friend, can you believe he only bought his kid's favorite type of cereal, but didn't even ask my kid, like people don't get it unless you've been in blended families. And that is actually why I kind of really wanted to write this book because I do have friends in blended families or unblended families. And it was only after I would bring up these things, these issues, how I was feeling, they were like, oh yeah, I feel that every day. And I'm like, why the fuck didn't you tell me all this stuff before I blended? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, it gets to, yeah, I was like, someone's got to speak the truth about it because it is embarrassing and no one knows what to do. And, and you know, if you don't no have people, yeah. And if you don't have people in your life who are stepmoms and you go to, or who are blending and if you go to them and you try to tell them what's going on in your life and what your stressors are, they don't understand because they actually cannot understand. And that's where a lot of people really struggle too. And maybe that's why people don't talk about it because when you do say things out loud, like the high buy fight or the cereal, you feel like a moron. Well, you feel like a moron. And even if we go back to the beginning, even explaining a blended family, like I stuck by this one tradition. Every year on my daughter's birthday, we go to Miami. It's been our tradition since she was three years old and she's turning 16. So I remember me and my daughter, we went to this yoga class and the woman, uh, you know, a nice woman thought it was very cute that we were on this mother daughter trip together. And she asked me if I had any more children. I said, yes, 
I have uh, a son at home with his father, because if I had to tell the whole story, and I always said this too, like, how do I even answer the question, how many children do I have? Because whenever someone would say something like, oh my God, you look so fabulous for having four children. I'm like, yeah, because I only had two really (laughs) biologically. And the other two came into my life later on. And I always felt guilty because if I said I had four, I felt like a liar. If I said I felt if I said I I only have two children, I felt guilt that I was leaving my bonus or stepdaughters out. So I couldn't even explain to people or I didn't want to explain to people what, you know, how my family basically. Yeah. You just want to answer a simple question. Yeah. I wanted to. And either way, I felt like a bit of a liar and I always felt guilty either way. Um, and it, and, it, and then I think what, like my daughter, you know, if she gets asked, how many siblings do you have? Well, she could have two choices. She can say, I have one, a brother, a, you know, a half brother, but we don't use half. Or she could include her, her at that time, her two um, stepsisters. So, you know, it's a complicated question for people in blended families to answer. Yeah. And there are people who I've, cause I've had this conversation on my blog and there are people who don't think it should be complicated. They think you should just say, I have four kids or, you know, you include your stepchildren, they're your kids, they're your real, the whole thing. So, but what I think is really important to remember is that it's those different dynamics and different people's comfort level with the di- with the blending that influences how comfortable they are answering this question. So there really is no one size fits all approach. I know for me, I sometimes feel uncomfortable answering that question too. I will always say we have four because I never want to come across as a stepmom who's trying to act like my they're my children. They're not my children. They're their mother and their father's children and they are great parents and they're doing a great job. I am their stepmom and I'm here as a support. But then and I also don't want to discredit the role they have in our family. So I, I've struggled with that question too. And I think that's so common. And it's also, I don't know, there's still, there's still a little, you know, it's a little taboo. Oh, you, you have two children from like two different men. Yeah, I do. But what do people like, did people expect after uh, my daughter's father and I broke up to not move on with my life? And I did. And so thus nine years later, I had a baby with another man. Like, so there's so much like modern stuff too, that goes into a blended family. Yeah. Uh, Right. So I think there is still a little stigma about women who have children from two different dads. Totally. And you know, there's one thing that I do really want to unpack because when it comes to your relationship with your partner and say there's conflict with his ex, I think a lot of time we, we take everything that our partner says as the whole truth when it comes to that conflict. And sometimes stepmoms will find themselves in situations where they find that there are two sides to every story, or, you know, there's something that may have been left out or not relayed back in the correct way. And so in the book, you talk about a time when you reached out to his ex-wife about a situation where you felt like she was being super unreasonable. And she ultimately told you, you had no idea what you were talking about and what had really transpired. And the most telling thing about that email that she had sent to me was, good luck, you're going to need it. This was maybe, you know, a year and a half into our relationship. And I was thinking at that time, why is she writing that to me? Why is she saying, good luck, you'll need it. (laughs) And sure enough, after we, you know, when things turned to shit in our relationship, I was like, 
ooh, we should always talk to the first wife. We should always hear their side of the story so we know actually what they went through first. Yeah, for sure, because they do know them. They've seen them at their worst. And you say in the book, you said, there's something to be said for listening to your partner's ex, especially if they were together for years. You forget that they also know your partner well. They had been married for 12 years, after all, longer than I had known him. So in a way, she knew boyfriend better than I did, and she knew what his personality was like. We often take our partner's opinions as the whole truth, forgetting about two sides, different perspectives. Well, yes. (laughs) We need to remember that like stepmoms, please remember that. Think about that. There really, there really is two, well, it's not two sides to every story. There's two sides and then there's the truth, right? Little, little bits and pieces of each person's truth. But you know, what do you wish you would have known about blending families from the very beginning? Well, I always say this and it's not, it's not really, you know, I can tell you talk about this, talk about everything, talk about money, talk about disciplining, talk about not moving so quickly talk about when to introduce the children, blah, blah, blah. But upon reflecting, and I think, I hope I get this across in the book, is that you really need to be a special kind of person to be in a blended family. I, it is the candid truth. You need to have a big heart. You need to allow you, uh, such a big heart and so selfless because you'll never be a number one priority. I hate to say it. And I don't think I necessarily, not only was I not prepared to be in a blended family, I sometimes think I was just not meant to be in a blended family. I don't have the right, right qualities or traits or, uh, or personality to be in a blended family. And because we moved very, very quickly from the, the, the start, um, you know, because you, you're older, you think you know everything, you think you know what you want. Um, So, I mean, I guess the biggest takeaway is, well, A, yes, definitely don't rush, but B, really look at yourself, like ask yourself these questions. Am I prepared that that his kids or her kids are always going to come first? Am I prepared to deal with the drama that could arise from the ex- wife or ex-husband? Am I prepared for this for the rest of my life? Uh, Having to be in a room with uh, their ex at weddings, graduations, recitals, like you have to really look at yourself and ask yourself that question. Like, can I do this? Am I the type of person who has a big enough heart and patient enough and the type of person that doesn't get resentful and angry when you don't get your way. Cause a lot of the times you're not getting your way. I, I hate to say this about dads to make this sweeping generalization about divorced dads, but they suffer from such a huge amount of guilt that they try to make up for it in, you know, doing pretty much whatever their kids want. I hate to say it, but it's true. So I mean, true. So my advice really is look at yourself, like ask yourself these questions because you're not going to change other people. That's the, that's the big message that I always try to get home is that you're not going to change his ex. You're not going to change your stepchildren. You're probably not going to change your new partner. And, and he's going to take his children's side more often than he's ever going to take your side. Like yeah. I will say you will never be number one. So are you, If and listen, Hey, if you're okay with that, great. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> I wish maybe looking back some of the lessons, 
I still think, eh, I don't know if blending a family, blending world is necessarily for me, you know? Um, you know, a lot of people, and a lot of people now are dating people with children, and they're not like rushing to live together because they know kind of like an ideal situation was kind of like maybe you live across the street, which is impossible in where we live in Toronto. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, you have to, I, I really think you have to get, you know, it, like just talking to you, I'm like, wouldn't it be a bad idea to go see a therapist on your own? Oh, for <laughs> before, sure. Like before you blend. So you can figure out like, are you ready to deal with all this bullshit that I mentioned in the book? And many people are, and many people are successful. Um, but many like, people are not right. And yeah, what, what's the stat? Are, 66, like most people are not 66%. Yeah, it's work. It's a lot of work. And I think that's what people really need to understand is that you need to be prepared to work on your relationship, to work on yourself and to always be growing. And also to lower your expectations because lower your expectations and you're going to be told hundreds of times you have to be the bigger person, even though you might not, the situation might not warrant you to be a bigger parent. You're going to be told to be the bigger person and apologize to kids who, you know, you're not sorry. And neither are they sorry, but you do it because you just want to keep the peace and it's easier, right? Like, okay, here's a text. I'm sorry. These days, I mean, every guys do not mind anymore moving into like the women's house. And I think that was like a kind of a big deal for me um, because I had worked kind of so hard my entire life to like have this house. And then for him to come in um, and I felt like it always, I never felt like it was his home too. I always said, you know, I would have to catch myself. Oh, back in my house. I mean, oh, now I have to say our house, right? Um, and it's just, you know, some the fact that he didn't chip in for rent or mortgage and thought he was making up for it in other ways. I I just started to resent him for it. And likewise, he started to resent because, you know, he was his own boss. And then he would come home and, you know, it got to the point where he was like almost treated like an employee by not just me, but, but by the kids too. So I get his point of view why, you know, what I, uh, you know, had done wrong in the relationship. And, and listen, I do not come across as like, a super mature intellectual uh, person in this book. I come across as an asshole a lot of the time because I also didn't, you know, know what was coming and I didn't know these ridiculous fights, but there was something always about him moving into my place that like maybe when you're blending, if you can afford to do it, like you should start fresh with a new house. Like, so nobody feels like it's theirs or. Yeah. That definitely makes it more complicated because I know that I moved into the house my husband lived in with his first wife. And it took me, you know, we've been now together seven years or eight years. And I, you know, four years in, five years in, that's when I finally started to feel like it was my home. I finally started to feel comfortable. So, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. If that's if that's doable for you, having that fresh start and that fresh house, the it, there's something to be said for that. Yeah, because I say I say this about my bonus children, like when they would come over 50 percent of the time, it's they didn't have a choice. Right. Like they had to to sleep in the one room we had left. They had to share 
a room. I know first world problems, right? They had to share a room where at their mother's, they each had their own room, right? And even I get down and I even say this in the book, but they didn't even get to, to sit. They didn't even get to let, they didn't get to choose their rooms. They did not get to choose even where they sat at the dinner table because I always sat where I sat and my daughter always sat where she sat. So, you know, I understand where the kids are com- kind of coming from and, you know, they just had a different living arrangement while they were here and while they, they were at their mother's. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of that contributes to it, right? The way that everyone feels when it comes to blending, whether they feel like they belong and they feel like they're at home, whether they feel like it was their home or someone else's, it's just, it's all of those little things. They really, really do add up. Yeah, they add up and, you know, they add up. And once resentment builds, I mean, I it's almost like game over if you don't, you know, really, really communicate how you're feeling. And, mm-hmm. and you know, no matter how many times, you know, no matter how many times we argued about something and thought it was fixed, it was never fixed because at the end of the day, and I will say this about all marriages because we know a lot of people in unhappy marriages who stay because they actually can't afford to get divorced, right? They can't afford to move out or they can't afford to pay child support. They realize it's going to cost them so much money to get divorced. So they're unhappy. They might have an affair. They might not, you know, whatever. So yeah, in a blended family, money issues become tenfold, right? For sure. Like, you know, um, it came to, like when we were in blending, it literally came down to, you know, I'm taking the bath mat and you're just like, I'm just like shaking my head going, wow, this is like nothing I've ever seen before. Well, yeah. Cause I feel like the issues that come with money in a second marriage, they really come from the first marriage as well. Right. So you're actually dealing with the baggage that comes from the first marriage and then it trickles its way into the second. And when the second goes sour, like shit really does hit the fan. Yeah, no. And at the beginning I was so in love with my guy and he was, he was going through such a contentious divorce that cost thousands and thousands of dollars and I re- remember I actually gave him money. I said, here is $10,000. It was actually $10,000 that I lent him. And I never actually got that money back. Um, and that's, you know, you also have to think about that. Like he still has two kids from his first marriage. He has to pay for them. Right, <laughs> and right. so he blended and had another child the math is all wrong. He had three biological children. I have two biological children. So to go on a vacation, it was like, okay, who pays for our biological children? Is it because you're taking care of your two? I'm taking care of mine. Now, do we split this, this fourth kid? Like, yeah. It's just so many teeny things. And I think it's the minutia of all these little things in a blended family that actually are so universal. For sure. And, you know, we could go on and on about those little things. (laughs) We could have a whole series, actually, a whole podcast series on that. But anyway, I thank you so much for coming on. You know, your raw and real conversation, your candidness about what you went through, it, it really is going to help a lot of women feel like they're not alone because there's a lot of guilt going around about these emotions and you're helping to normalize them because it's, they, they are normal. So thank they you. They are completely normal. And, and, you know, I'll just say this very, very quickly. I have never received so many private messages in my entire life and they're still private messages. So they're not posting 
publicly on my, let's say, Facebook wall, but they really are thanking me. And I'm just, it brings tears to my eyes that like, finally, they, I didn't realize how many people out there were going through even worse situations than mine because they're staying in their blended, unhappy worlds. And, um, you know, yeah, and I think for a lot of people, it's just because they don't want to be a, fa- like people still see divorce as a failure, which is a disservice to, to everybody. And they don't want to feel like a failure again. So I asked my daughter, you know, a couple months after he, he, my now ex moved out, I said, you know, how do you feel? Do you think maybe I made a mistake? Because when you're in a second relationship, you really question, like, did I do the right thing this time? This is my second, like, what is wrong with me? Um, and she actually said to me, mom, I think I've been feeling so much stress for the past two years because you two were always fighting. And when your own child says that to you, it is like a knife in the heart. And you realize for sure you made the right decision. Yeah, no, that's very telling. And we often don't really think about how our dynamics and our relationships can trickle down and affect the kids. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Anytime. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Rebecca. I I appreciate this more than I can tell you. Uh, I, I love your show. So thank you. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast, give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week. 